All right. All right, yeah. Eric has already mentioned the new series that we're beginning uh, today is What's Love Got to Do With It? Uh, I'm not going to, I even toyed with singing it, but that's only that phrase in the whole song that me, means anything. It's just that phrase. Okay, what's love got to do with it? I mentioned that. We're not going to do that. Copyright law says we can't play Tina Turner on the speaker, especially if we're broadcasting, okay? So we're, we're going to save Tina on that one. Um, I, I, there is a personal reason why I am drawn to this, this, this summer series and it actually happened because we were just going through 1 Corinthians. Many of you have been going through this. You know, I love going through books. I love to go through entire books. Uh, here recently, we just finished uh, 1 Corinthians. And in chapter 13, it's that love chapter, that focus on love. And, and, and at the end of that service, I, I felt like things went pretty well. And except one of you, one of you looked a little, little uh, not, not frustrated, but a little... Yeah, a little, little frustrated on their way out. And, and the comment was made here, was preaching about love. That definition of love was laid out. And, and he expressed maybe a frustration all of us have had over this last year. And, and the question was this. He didn't ask what's love got to do with it. He asked this. He says, how can you love like that? How, how is it possible for us to love and, and, and in that way? Are you with me over this past year, especially in the, the political season, the violence that was going on uh, in our country? Did any of you ask, how, how can we love like that? You see, in some ways, we say, when we're preaching about love, we say, oh yeah, well, I could love the people here. I, I could love people. And there's even some different ideas here and some, some different, and maybe a, a few of us are annoying because we, they forget names or something, and that's just annoying, but you could overlook that and say, I could still love that person. I, and, and to say, take that love at home, yeah, you could do that as well. And sometimes your kids are annoying, but you still love your kids, right? And perhaps even take it into the neighborhoods. That's, I could do that. But when we say, that, that we are called to love everyone, that becomes difficult because there are some folks in this world who would like for you to be quiet, would like for you just to shut up. There's some people in the world who would like to even, you know, would like to, to, to see you harmed. Uh, and there, there are those who we would call enemy that, how do you love those? How do you love those people? Matter of fact, you know, they would, they would definitely reject you. Why can't we reject them? Which reminds me of the passage that we're looking at today. Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. This is where we're beginning. We're actually looking at a couple different passages. Actually, characters in this. And, and the characters in Luke 9, 51 through 56 is James and John. The apostles James and John. Luke 9, 51 through 56. Let's just read that. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven... Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. That resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He is headed to Jerusalem. He's headed to the cross. It's coming to the close of his ministry. He's going to be crucified in Jerusalem. That's, that's the time we're looking at. So he's on this journey. In verse 37, or, or 52, he says, and he, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. 
I find it interesting some of the words, some of the phrases he puts in there, like, because he's headed to Jerusalem, they're not welcome. You see, Jesus was known, I believe, by all the Samaritans, probably some, some of the, Samaria especially, because the woman at, at the well, he became known, he did some healing, and, and, and many of them came to know Jesus and even, even receive him as the Messiah, accept him as the Messiah. Now, we don't know exactly what village, but it, it specifically said because they were headed to Jerusalem, they didn't receive him. They, they, they probably knew who Jesus was, but hey, you're headed to Jerusalem, no. And, and remember, I just want to remind you the hatred between the Samaritans and the, and, and the Jews. There was a hatred. The Jews, we, we already have said this several times, that the Jews hated, despised the, the uh, Samaritans and vice versa. Samaritans just despised uh, the Jews. And, and definitely Jerusalem was the hub of where the Jews were. And so I, I think that might be why it says because they were headed to Jerusalem, no, nah, you can't stay here. We reject you. Here's the response of James and John. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? That kind of, that's kind of Old Testament remembrances because there were times when fire came down from heaven and destroyed. So James and John say, hey, let's send down fire from heaven and destroy this, this uh, city in Samaria. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he, and, then he and his disciples went to another village. I, I, can you relate? Can you, can you relate? Just, just even if that idea might pop into your mind, is it, oh man, if, if the Lord would just send down fire and destroy this people, everything would be better. You, you ever have that inclination? It, it might just be the person who just cut you off in traffic. Or, or maybe some ornery person in, in your neighborhood. But there are people groups this last year, I think, too, that we might think it would be just better off if God would just bring on his judgment and destroy them. But, uh, and, 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 and the problem with James and John, no mercy. No mercy. I, I, I want to just look at what's wrong. Just simple, isn't it? What's, what's wrong here? And there's a couple of uh, phrases I'd like to, to answer that question of what's wrong here. Number one. Condemning judgment is not in our hands, right? James and John had no right to say, well, hey, we're going to send down fire. Well, James and John, you're not given that power. None of us are given that power. Oh, man, if we would, right, uh, things would be different in this life. Uh, but if, if they were given that power, the Samaritan village would have been lost, just absolutely lost. James and John wanted to go all superhero on, on the city of Samaria. And the reason I say that is because we like, I, when, when, and I might be speaking personally, but I think a lot of us are the same way. When I'm entertained, some of the movies I like to watch, it's good versus evil. I mean, the Avengers. The Avengers movie, I love the Avengers movie when the aliens are attacking New York and, and this handful of Avengers, you know, the, the superheroes, are, are taking on this whole army of aliens until Iron Man nukes the, the, the big ship, right? And they went. And so that's the exciting part. You wanted to see that come. You wanted to see all those aliens just drop dead. And that's what happened. I, I am a fan of diehard movies. I am a fan. And, and uh, 
the first one, Nakatomi Tower, remember that? And, and oh man, you're sitting there and watching this, this, this dastardly evil guy, Hans Gruber, throughout the movie. And what are you sitting there thinking about? I can't wait till he gets his. John McClane's going to give it to him. And sure enough, he's, he, he, you watch him fall in slow motion all the way down. And, and you're, what are you doing afterwards? Woo! Yay! I mean, that, that's part of us. That's part of us. That's what we're entertained by. We want to see evil get, get theirs. All James and John, right? That, that's how we feel. We cannot find ourselves praying for or rejoicing uh, when, when tragedy strikes a particular people or person we hate. We can't be praying for that. We can't be rejoicing over that. Tempted we might be, but if, if we know Jesus, we can't be doing that. Now, I, I'm going to ask you just honestly, just think, take a moment and think, who would you like to call fire down on? Uh, today, even this morning, uh, did you have that thought in your mind? Yeah, man, if... When I first said that, read that, did you have that thought? Is man, I, I know what James and John are doing. I want to call fire down on this group, this, this uh, uh, particular person or, or man, this other nation even. Like James and John, we don't have the ability to call down God's judgment. And again, thank God for that. <laughs> I probably would have been gone a long time ago, right? I, I myself would have been gone because somebody else would have wished it down upon me. James and John were not on the same page as Jesus. Did you see that in this passage? James and John weren't on the same page as Jesus. That's why Jesus rebuked them. Uh, and, and, and definitely, we need to understand that this was not the purpose of Jesus in his coming. Now, okay, so first of all, you know, we're not given this power to bring judgment and condemnation down upon anyone. The second thing that's wrong in this is we cannot resent the fact that God's mercy is available to everyone. We can't resent, we can't, we can't be offended that God's mercy is for everyone. Sometimes we act like we're offended that, that God's mercy is for everyone. I, I want to, another character, as I said, I'd like to bring up is, is this prophet named Jonah. You're familiar with Jonah, the sto a story in the Old Testament? Now, Jonah has the same problem with God's mercy as James and John. In the story, simple story, God comes to Jonah and, and, and says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, that, that city of Assyrians. And Assyria definitely has, has been a problem to Israel. They, they've been a problem. God, as a matter of fact, used uh, uh, Assyria to, to overtake Israel. As a matter of fact, that's even going to happen later on. And so, I, in some ways, I can understand Jonah saying, not them, Lord, not them. Because what, what Jonah decided to do, instead of pursuing or, or following what God said, he went the other direction. He ran to Tarsus, got in the boat. God caused a great storm. And when those on the boat found out, hey, it's Jonah, it's Jonah's God that, that's doing this because Jonah's running from God, they said, what do we need to do? Jonah said, throw me in the, throw me in the sea. Throw me in the sea. And, and matter of fact, the, the, the guys on the boat showed more mercy than Jonah did. You know, because, hey, no, they tried everything else, but it wasn't working. And, and you do wonder, why, Jonah, didn't you not say, turn the boat around, go back to land? 
Why didn't he say that? Because, I mean, it could be that the things would have been calm. They would have made it successfully. As long as they held Jonah, who was going to deliver this message no matter what, they would have been safe. But instead, Jonah said, kill me. I'll just drown. I, I believe that's how much Jonah did not want to go to preach to Nineveh. And, and, and in chapter 4, we find out why. Jonah saved a course. Did, did you ever think Jonah was actually rescued through the big fish? Terrible circumstance. I'd rather get, get you know, the raft or something like that. But no, it's a fish that then, you know, three days later, spews him out on the beach. And then Jonah finally obeys God and goes to Nineveh. And, and begins to declare God's message. His message of destruction. Forty days. Forty days. And God is going to destroy this city. Forty days. And, and guess what they did? They repented. They repented. Uh, the, and, and we're not talking just the king. But the king repented. Those higher up, the leadership uh, repented. The, the whole city went into sackcloth and, and ashes and began to repent for, for God. And guess what? God gave them his mercy. And, and there was no destruction. And then here, here's the point I want to get to is what Jonah or how Jonah responded to that whole thing. In verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, But to Jonah this seemed very wrong. And, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That's what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. Doggone it! You saved the Ninevites. <laughs> that was his attitude. Then he says, I knew that you are a gracious, compassionate God. To that, you and I say amen. Slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. That's the God that you and I know. That's the God that we worship, isn't it? A, a God who relents, uh, who, who, who relents from sending calamity, who, who is patient, uh, who, whose anger uh, is held back, and, and who is gracious and compassionate. All those things. That is what God has given to us. That's what, that, I mean, I bet. That's the God I've come to know. That's why I enjoy worshiping Sunday. That's why we worship. That's why we sing these songs of praise to a God like that. Like that. You see, because the mercy and forgiveness that we've been given through Jesus Christ is the same mercy and forgiveness available to all people. The mercy and forgiveness that we've received is that mercy and grace that, that really is given to all people, even to those who we may despise, even to those that we might find ourselves feeling hatred towards. There's a lot of those folks, a lot of those folks. The question that God asked Noah, I mean Jonah in this is... Um, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to... Jonah, is it right for you to be angry that I have chosen mercy over judgment over the city of Nineveh? I wonder with us, have you ever felt like, you know, man, if maybe even a sense of celebration when tragedy does strike an area? Or, man... 
Have you ever felt someday, someday they're going to face God and they're going to get theirs? <laughs> Have you ever, and I'll be honest with you, in my life I've felt that way. Someday they're going to get theirs. They're going to have to face God. But that's not the attitude. Now, that, that might be the attitude that's born within us and that man that in that sinful state is what we're used to, but we're called to something totally different in that. We're called to something different. Matter of fact, in that, we're called to share that mercy and grace with others. Is it possible that there's certain people out there that we just don't want to share the good news with? They don't deserve God's mercy. I, I hope that in that would never cause us to withhold the gospel message from anyone else. I, I would hope that we as a church might, might even be a part of strategizing, thinking, well, how do we reach people today? Maybe that's part of that question. How in the world do we love people who, are, who, who, who look at me and despise me and want to reject me and want to silence me? How do I love those people? Well, it begins by praying, say, God, Open a door for me to, to be able to share the gospel with those folks. Help me, to, help me to, to show them the mercy and grace of God. I, I think it's significant that, that John and uh, James and John were learning these things. And remember that. We need to learn how to be merciful as well. And, and, and that's what's right. A couple wrongs. I want to end with what's right. What's right is we need to learn and live God's mercy. We need to learn and live God's mercy. You see, love has everything to do with God's mercy. Love has everything to do with God's mercy. He gives his mercy. Why? Because he loves his creation. He loves us. Therefore, he has provided mercy and grace. We are able to see the love and mercy of God through the coming of Jesus. Everything that, that Jonah uh, wrote down for us is absolutely true. We know that you are a gracious and compassionate God. Why? Because you sent Jesus. You are slow to anger and abounding love. Why? Because, hey, you haven't sent Jesus. You haven't, we still have time to, to proclaim his name. And that message of Jesus moves on. A God who relents from sending calamity. Man, uh, sometimes in prayer, I just... I have to think about what it would be without Jesus. I, I, I have to, I come, maybe it's in a moment of sinfulness, but I, I think about standing before God and, and facing his condemnation and his judgment. And it is a fearful thing. I think it's good to remember because Jesus saved me from that. I, I am saved from that. Matter of fact, Jesus came for a grand purpose of ending evil and suffering. Jesus came to end evil and suffering. Timothy Keller, in a book uh, in, in, entitled The Reason for God, we, my group on Tuesday is reading it, and, and here's what he said. He said, Jesus had to pay for our sins so that someday he can end evil and suffering without ending us. Let me read that for you again. Jesus had to pay for our sins so that someday he can end evil and suffering without ending us. Oh, there's a reason we're worshiping. There's a reason we're worshiping is because he has given to us his mercy. You, you know that's part of our singing and our rejoicing, right? Because we serve a merciful God, a loving God. 
Absolutely. James and John, in, in the story we read, Jesus definitely rebuked them. We don't have the words that were spoken to them, but I can imagine what they needed to be reminded of. It's, it's things that Jesus had already shown them, told them, taught them, revealed in how he lived his life, everything. But, but Jesus did not come to judge and destroy. Never did Jesus show that to James and John. Never. Jesus didn't come to, to uh, judge and destroy, but Jesus came to seek and to save. Jesus came to... Guess what, church? Guess, guess what our existence and our purpose remains today? It's not to judge and destroy. It's to seek and to save. The same thing he emphasized with all his apostles, all his disciples, it is to seek and to save. He has called us. He has called us to let the know, let the world around us, the whole world around us, know that, that he is a merciful God, that he's a loving God, and there is a gospel message that we have, that we've been given that we need to share. Oh man, some strategy, some thinking, some praying. We ought to be involved in that because the world around us needs to know. And, and we have this part of being involved in God and Jesus taking care of the evil and suffering in this world. We're part of that. And it's within the message sharing with others. James and John would come to know God's mercy and the spread of the word. After his crucifixion, resurrection... That new life, man, they, they were transformed. Holy Spirit within them, they went declaring the message. Matter of fact, it, it, was, it was James that was one, one of the first to be martyred, uh, thought through, through tradition. Uh, took, took the gospel message to Spain, uh, was beheaded. But, but he, he, didn't, you know, he, he didn't resent the mercy of God. He, he didn't go... You know, looking to judge and destroy. He went seeking and saving those who were lost. The same purpose that you and I have. And like I said earlier, James and John had some time with Jesus. Three years. And after the crucifixion, man, they were transformed. We have time. You know, if, if we've had the attitude of, of judgment, if we had the attitude of hatred towards other people, yeah, man, he's still working on our hearts. I, I, I do believe through repentance and a continued prayer, God, here's the people that I am so, so hateful of. Help me, Father, to, to overcome the hatred and allow the love that you've shown to me, help that love to be working in me for, for those people. And let God use you for that purpose. I just want to review those things again. You know, we cannot be people who resent God's mercy. We can't be people definitely who call down fire from heaven. We know that's not our, our uh, position ever. But our position is actually opposite. Knowing his mercy, living his mercy, giving it to others, and, and praying for them, seeking uh, to deliver that glorious message, that glorious message that you rejoice over of his grace and mercy for others. God is good. God is good. And in the following weeks, we've got a lot to talk about this. We'll become more specific in other ways. Throughout Scripture, throughout Scripture, there's, there's examples set, there's Scriptures laid out for us how we could love. We're not done with that answer, in other words. 
So we're going to continue to work through it. I, I'm just going to challenge you. If you have questions, thoughts, frustrations, anytime during this sermon series, please ask. It'll help uh, in, in, in the following weeks as we address this, okay? Email. My email address is in the bulletin. You're, you're free to let me know that way, or my phone number is there too. Pretty, pretty, uh, uh, I, I don't want to say that, pretty, pretty uh, brave of me, right? Lay out my, my, hey, use it, use it. If you have a question, please call. Let me, let me pray. Father, as we dive into this series, Lord, it's not just to feel the 20 minutes a week with Scripture. Lord, we want to see as we're looking at your word and being challenged by it, that what we're doing is, is we want to learn to love. We, we want you to change our hearts. Lord, if we're still struggling with that being loving and merciful people to all people, then Lord, we pray in the summer months here as we're looking at your word and we're, we're going to that place of prayer and devotion and, and encouraging one another, we pray, Lord, to, to begin to produce within us a love that resembles the love of Jesus. Love of Jesus who, who loved the sinner, who loved, the, uh, loved those who were diseased, loved those, whoever he met, Lord, he had that open hand, open heart to all, Lord, and, and definitely he revealed that upon the cross. He loved us. We praise you for his mercy. We praise you for his grace. And we ask, Lord, that you strengthen us today in that love, not only to receive it, but definitely, Lord, that we might share it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.